welcome to the Mudhorn Clan cast on the Fangirl Zone. I am Sean Fangirl S. And I'm Steve. You're a Sith Lord, Steve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can say it in a deep voice. You have, you'll have to pr- practice that. Yes. And I'm Beskar Dave, and today we're talking about Episode 2 of Season 1 of Obi-Wan Kenobi, titled Part 2, written by Joby Harold, Hosan Amini, and Stuart Betty, and directed by, as I said before, the very busy Deborah Chow. She's also an executive yep. ah. producer on the show, as is Obi-Wan Kenobi himself. Yes. Yeah, I caught that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Initial reactions for episode two. I don't know about you guys. I pretty much went from one to two. I mean, I did have to pause a little bit because, you know, we had life happen. Right. <laughs> but, but I didn't wait a whole week. Obviously, I waited like a mm-hmm. hour. So it's like, I feel like both episodes merged to me. So I still like everything and it was action packed. So personally, yeah. I am still a thumbs up. But I want to know what you two think. So, Steve, what was your initial reaction to episode two? I like this episode a whole lot. That's actually better than the first one because we actually are forced to see Obi starting to try to kind of pull himself back together just to save <laughs> Leah. So, <laughs> Oh, like be the man that he was from the movies? Yes. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. Now, fortunately, he didn't have to go face-to-face with Reva because he would have lost. No doubt in my mind, he would have lost at this point in time. I mean, he just barely saved Leah. (laughs) And that was the only force use in the whole episode. So he's got a long way to go to come back to where he was 10 years prior. He's going to scrape some rust off. Yes. (laughs) A whole lot. Yeah, he's got a few barnacles down below. (laughs) (laughs) I agree with Steve. I like it better than the first one, too. I was locked. Actually, you know what really impresses me is their use of perspective sometimes. In, I know it's all special effects, but later in the episode when they're showing the blaster fight from a distance that Reva's right. watching, like, man, that's good. Yes. Yeah, and even that the, really it, was. Way the, better it, than the shadow from the ship. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it, yeah. And at the end, when she's like shaking her fist at him, and you can still see her lightsaber flashing out way down below as the ship leaves the planet. Right. Like, man, these guys are getting real good at this. Oh, they've been doing it for quite some time. I would think that it would be like yeah, leaders. Yeah. So how about we jump in, shall we? All right. Episode two on a dangerous crime ridden world. Obi-Wan becomes a target. (laughs) Arrival on die you, die you. Yeah. (laughs) Or is it die, die, die you. (laughs) (laughs) And we should have a little meter who does better in their shows this year with the uh, Star Wars team or the Star Trek team. So far, they're like head to head. Oh, my gosh. You're going to start a fight. Oh, good. (laughs) Well, there's a discussion. Okay, everyone. Especially if you're watching both. Send us your thoughts. Yes. (laughs) So as the episode begins, we see Obi-Wan's arrival on a new planet in the Star Wars universe, Dayu. This planet is very similar to the underworld of Coruscant with criminals and lowlifes seeming to be everywhere, at least gambling. And the dark sky is brimmed with neon Abish signs. As he arrives, we get a surprise cameo from Tamara Morrison as a clone veteran. Wow, that kind of blew me away. Yes. (laughs) I was like, which one is he supposed to be? (laughs) I was thinking it was going to be one that was going to help him or something. You know, so I was all excited. But you guys get a Blade Runner? Yes. Yes. Oh, boy. Most definitely. Yeah. So anyway, well, Obi-Wan, I love that stuff. <laughs> the darkness and all the neon is, I'm like, oh, Blade Runner. 
<laughs> Not exactly a boomer reference, but everyone should check out that movie. Or else. Or else they get a forced choke. Obi-Wan quickly moves through this. Uh, yeah. Searching for Leia before running into a young boy who tells him that a Jedi is in the city helping everyone who needs his services. I watched this twice. And the first time, like, uh, didn't collect that that kid could be trustworthy. You know? Right. <laughs> oh, what a nice young man. No. Yeah. Literally terrible. right before we had a spice dealer. Right. <laughs> Although she says, seemed way more sympathetic. I'm just saying. But, yeah. yeah. A little bit. Yeah. She gave him some free spice. <laughs> but no, I'm saying when she was like, yeah, I was someone's daughter too. Too. Right. Maybe. Yeah. yeah that like, one so kinda, she just uh, seemed, yeah, more sympathetic than the kid. You know, it's like the kid has an angle. <laughs> she didn't crack an, an old spice joke. This is for you. Yeah. Oh, God. It's like, you stink. You need this. Yeah. <laughs> but from here, the story pivots to a irrelevant Haja Astri, who's marketing himself as a Jedi through a series of fancy remotes and magnets to mimic force powers. Perhaps the most amusing of these is when he attempts to do a Jedi Jedi mind trick. You, you hear the, how it happened just now. Yeah. Over a communicator. <laughs> and it sounds like a brainwashed henchman himself. Really? Pretty, pretty sure you're not supposed to say I'm using a Jedi mind trick. Yeah, right? <laughs> Despite his nefarious tricks and money-grubbing schemes, Haja does seem to legitimately help the mother and boy. At least we think so. I was hoping he wasn't sending them into yeah. a trap. Yeah. Right. After they leave, Obi-Wan steps in and exposes Haja for who he is by grabbing his tools. I thought he was going to pull it by using the Force and be like, nah, this is how it works. Yeah. But instead, he was pressing the blaster to his chest, which, you know, helps to motivate Haja to give him information on where Leia may be hidden on the planet. Haja tells him to look inside a spice lab. You're probably not going to get very far, though. And after fighting off two random thugs and cutting himself off on Doth Morin. Wait, what was that? Because I know it was like da Dark Maul's people, but I never yeah, say right. their name. A Dothomirin <laughs> nails horns? I don't know. We do see Obi-Wan find where Leia's hiding, ultimately, but not before finding not Leia. That's what yeah. I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it couldn't be quite so easy for our rugged hero. It turns out the yeah. third sister, Reva, correctly anticipated Obi-Wan's behavior. She sent Vec and the other kidnappers to capture him, and after communicating with her, they confront him. While their ambush is temporarily successful, Obi-Wan uses a vial of the spice given to him earlier by a disillusioned spice dealer to, to incapacitate the kidnappers and release Leia from the cell where she had been in prison. After a rocky start between the two of them, he manages to convince Her Highness <laughs> to follow him away from the spice lab and into the streets of Dai. This confrontation with Obi-Wan did not go unnoticed by the Grand Inquisitor. As he arrives on the planet to confront the third sister along with the fifth brother, another yet unidentified Inquisitor. After warning the third sister yet again that her quest for Kenobi is ill-founded, the Grand Inquisitor orders Reva to stand down and let him take in Kenobi himself. It's also interesting that the Grand Inquisitor says they found the third sister in the gutter opening up some expectation that she may not be a fallen Jedi, such as the Grand Inquisitor. Mm. I, I don't know. Mm. I mean, if they were running and hiding, yeah. I still think it probably was that. And that's right. So for her to have such, yeah, for such anger against Kenobi. Yeah. But this well, whole, that's what, that, I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I was just going to say that's where I'm going to, that's where I would put my credits. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but this whole thing with like what happened back there, it's like, oh man, this just feels like a trap. Come on. But I'm surprised she said this because who would have thought, oh, you know what? We're going to go after this kid because once upon a time, you know, Obi-Wan knew them and helped out, even though we haven't heard anything for 10 years. So, I mean, I don't know, pretty smart of her, but it's like, damn, okay. I feel like even the Sith were like, listen, we don't go after kids. It was a very mobbish thing. You know, it's like, we don't right. take kids. <laughs> and you definitely don't take senators' kids. What the hell's wrong with you? Yeah, that seems to defy what we know about them. I'm, to me, it seems like Reva's working for somebody that even the Grand Inquisitor doesn't know about. Right. That's what confused me even more when I saw, you know, who at the end of the show. Right. Like, And it's been 10 years. So or maybe he doesn't know, but I don't know. Well, not jumping ahead, but there's got to be someone pulling the strings because the Grand Inquisitor was actually a uh, confidant or worked pretty hand in glove with uh, Darth Vader. And, yeah. And, and, yeah. So I don't know. It kind of confused me. But she yep. kept saying like she wanted her rewards and stuff. It's like, what the hell, lady? <laughs> That's why we were the Internet. And then yeah, I picked it I, up with Darth Tantrum because it's like she has no control over everything. She just total emotion. She'd make a lousy uh, Vulcan. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so the third sister has no plans. And however, and she merely puts out an undisclosed bounty for the capture of Obi-Wan. Yeah, she really doesn't care. This causes Obi-Wan to react quickly and purchases a slight change of wardrobe for himself and Leia as they travel throughout the streets. We see evidence of this bounty being illustrated across holographic communicators across Dayu, along with a mugshot of a younger Obi-Wan. Yeah, well, he had his, he had his bath and some old spice yeah. and cut his beard. <laughs> yeah. As the other Inquisitors are looking for Kenobi, they come across a now-discarded kidnapper, Vect, and threaten him with their lightsabers to comply and give him whatever he knows about where Obi-Wan may be hiding as well as where Reva has gone. It's going to tough to look for two of them now. Yeah. yeah. And what we're about to dive into, I'm going to say, I was getting a little pissed off at Leia. I'm just going to say yeah. that. It's like I wrote in my notes that she's a handful. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, I get it. She's a kid and there's a lot of questions. But at the same time, hello, maybe keep everything quiet. Not like, hey, are you a Jedi? It's like, Jesus. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Like, shut up. You know that they're killing them. So, oh my God, what is wrong with you? That's all I kept thinking. Like, she was loud as hell and obnoxious. And hello, you can be a senator. So maybe you pull it back and like pay attention and think. You're in a place where people are trying to kidnap you again. So, <laughs> she wants the sparkly clothes, though. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Although, I love the outfit, which we're probably going to talk about because it was very Endor ish. Like what she had on when she was on the speeder bike in Endor. Yeah. But during the hunting time and as the bounty is put out, Leia starts to suspect that Obi-Wan is not a Jedi. Quite loudly, by the way. Mm. Well, why don't you make me float? Make me float. <laughs> yeah. Listen, kid. You're trying to get us both killed. Jeez. Even after he buys her a new outfit and the glove that she didn't need, she is not convinced. And after seeing the bounty placed on him, she's like, yeah. It's you. They're after. They took me because of you, which was a pretty big leap for a kid. So I was like, "Hey, well, yeah, they did." But kudos to you, poor Ben. I wish he had a uh, one of those zippers, like from Beetlejuice, to go right across the mouth. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just of course, her running all over is drawing attention of many passerbys and oh, bounty hunters. Leia takes to the rooftops to avoid Obi Wan, and again, he can't seem to catch her. 
But this only allows for bounty hunters to be able to engage him without hurting others and at a distance. As Reva sit perched atop uh, a building, very Batman-esque, and she sees the blaster fire from across the way and uses impressive display of force-enabled parkour to to close the distance between her and Obi-Wan. Now, you're on a planet where there's just all sorts of rando crap happening and you're just automatically going to go, oh, that's Obi-Wan. Really? Like, people are killing each other over there because of the spice trade, but you're like, yeah, yeah, that's got to be Obi-Wan. Of course. While Obi-Wan attempts to chase Leia in the general direction of a spaceport, he continues to send short and generally inaccurate streams of blaster fire back at his assailants, eventually disabling most of them. As Leia continues to run, she finds a rooftop too far for her to jump, but attempts to anyway. Like, did either of you watch that going, uh, what are you doing? Yes. <laughs> there is no way in hell your little legs are going to get you even <laughs> halfway across that. <laughs> right. In a very Star Wars Fallen Order-esque reveal, we see Obi-Wan painfully reach out to the Force to stop her fall just feet above ground. Although I did kind of want her to let her go so she, like, fell on her butt. Yeah. <laughs> I was like when Stacy from the Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man movies, he mm. just missed her and she with this the webbing and she ba- actually bounced off the ground. <laughs> oh, see, I still have questions about that, but that's another story. After being saved by Obi-Wan, they share a heartwarming moment. Well, kind of. Just before they realize that the spaceport has been cut off by the Imperial garrison. Haja makes his return and tells Obi-Wan of a rarely used cargo port just a short distance away that's automated and easy to infiltrate. After feeling the scene he, you know, because he checks it all out. I I was worried about this, but Haj is like, I'll buy you as much time as possible. I was starting to think maybe he was a force sensitive and then (laughs) like he wasn't enough or something for the Jedi. Right. And that's why he was like helping Obi-Wan because it seemed weird, but hey, I guess Leia was like, let's listen. It's fine. I was happy to see him. I'm glad he had a change of heart. He's just not just a fanboy. Yeah. Right. But yeah, uh, he tried. <laughs> that was about tried. it. <laughs> Interestingly enough, he tries to run interference with Third Sister, who is tracking Obi-Wan. And after quickly realizing he's not Kenobi and you're not a Jedi, she <laughs> takes the information out of his mind forcefully, which we've seen previously back with Ray and our Darth Weiner. I mean. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm just saying, it was like, I don't think we've seen that in any of the first six movies, though. Did we? And I just don't remember. Yeah, I'm not thinking. So, I don't think we saw it much in the first few movies. So, maybe only a few. Just by Darth Vader. Darth Vader. Yeah. 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 Your feelings betray you. Yeah. 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 (laughs) But he didn't exactly forcefully reach out and do it. It was just like. No. Well, he's really good at it. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, oh, that was on the surface. Ha ha, you suck, kind of thing. <laughs> well, after arriving at the cargo port, Obi-Wan senses the third sister coming and sends Leah on ahead to leave should he not arrive in time. He pulls his lightsaber from his waistband and attempts to evade Reva as she walks about the warehouse section with her red blade ignited. During this game of cat and mouse, she reveals the galaxy-shattered news that Anakin has survived. Well, this bit of information raises several questions, including how she learned one of Vader's closely guarded secrets. It sets Obi-Wan off his game. Luckily for him, the Grand Inquisitor arrives and confronts Reva yet again. 
In an unexpected turn of events, not only does Reva not back down, but proceeds to stab the Grand Inquisitor through the chest. Didn't see that one coming. Nope. <laughs> this costs her precious time, however, and allows Obi-Wan the time he needs to get on the ship as he grapples with the revelation that Anakin is still alive. The episode ends with the depiction of Vader floating in his back to tank and the cold raspiness of his voice as the screen fades to black. That was an awesome ending. <laughs> yeah, it was. I was sitting there watching it. I'm like, wait a minute. So the Grand Inquisitor is dead? But he's yeah. in five episodes, so I don't think yeah. he's dead. No. I bet he's pissed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, I believe, is an understatement. Yeah. Yeah, I was confused with that at first, too. I was like, well, I guess he's not dead. You know? No, no. Although, at this point, I'm like, are we going to see somebody die every episode? Because, <laughs> dang, <laughs> this is really getting dark, is all I'm thinking. As usual, there's a ton of Easter eggs. <laughs> <laughs> As usual. And I, and, and I went up in the attic and got my bonnet for it, too. <laughs> So, when Obi-Wan Kenobi arrives on Dayu, he discovers a veteran clone trooper begging for credits. It's easy to miss, but the clone trooper appears to be wearing the armor of the 501st, the battalion led by Anakin Skywalker and Ashoka Tano during the Clone Wars. The clone trooper is, of course, played by Tamara Morrison, the actor who played Jango Fett in the prequel trilogy and was also played Boba Fett in the various Disney Plus TV shows. Nothing like a paycheck. Yes. <laughs> also, a street vendor offers Obi-Wan three different types of spice. Castle Pure, Gooderstim, and Felkushian? Felucian. Felucian. Also known as Old Spice. Yeah. <laughs> the first two types both actually originate from the spice mines of Kessel, seen in Solo, a Star Wars story, while Felucia was seen in Star Wars The Clone Wars. The last time anyone offered Obi-Wan drugs, he used the Force to tell them to reconsider their life. He's fallen too far to do the same here. Yep, yeah. just didn't care. <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi is set 10 years into the main character's self-imposed exile to Tatooine, and suddenly it details a signpost that Hugh McGregor's incarnation of the Jedi Master is transforming into Alec Guinness' version. One of the most notable is the new habit of pulling his beard while thinking a characteristic trait of Guinness's Obi-Wan. Yeah, I noticed that too. Yes. <laughs> beard stroking. That, that's how it regenerates the power. Yep. The force in him. <laughs> It'll be fascinating to see whether any of the other the Guinness details come through as the Disney Plus TV show continues. Had to love Haji's or Haja's force tricks inspired by the, the legends. I'll be one encounters a man named Haja who pretending to be a Jedi uses tricks involving magnets. This idea is lifted from the old expanded universe where a common named Gitsa Dodger uses the same tactics. Han Solo may have good reason to believe the force is just trickery in the first Star Wars film if he's encountered men like Haja. Yeah, good point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, interestingly, the recent comics have revealed there's a history of imitating the force with a technology, although doing so considered a heresy to the Sith. <laughs> believe me, I went at home, I still try to get the... Uh, the clicker off the coffee table if I'm relaxed on the couch <laughs> using the force. One of these days, it's going to work. Are you a fan if you don't try that? I mean, come on. <sighs> no yeah. I was doing, trying to Jedi mind trick Jason into getting me a donut when he was out the other day. Didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> so Haja uh, sent people to Han Solo's homeworld, Corellia. In a rather more direct Han Solo reference, Haja sends a mother and her son to Han's homeworld to Corellia for sanctuary. He's not all bad. The dialogue here is particularly interesting, foreshadowing Haja's proving to be a better man than Obi-Wan thinks. Haja implies the, the boy is Force-sensitive, and he's helping him get away from Dayu before he is found out. This is actually quite a high-risk project, given the Empire had standing bounties on Force-sensitives. 
with Darth Vader's Inquisitors combing the galaxy, even looking for children. It's just creepy. He's like, I'm going to find you. It's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Obi-Wan also faced an assassin from the Empire Strikes Back. Love to see that guy. Riva hires every low-life and bounty hunter on the planet to hunt down Obi-Wan, and one of them is very familiar to the viewers. It's 4LOM, a LOM series protocol droid created to service insectoid species. 4LOM became bored with his mundane directive due to a glitch in his programming and instead pursued life as a jewel thief and a bounty hunter. Although he takes serious damage in Obi-Wan Kenobi, he's clearly going to be repaired. He's among the bounty hunters hired by Darth Vader in The Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we all get to see uh, Obi-Wan using an uncivilized blaster. Obi-Wan initially attempts to avoid detection as a Jedi by using a blaster instead of a, a lightsaber. There's a great deal of irony in this firefight, given he was considered blaster to be so very uncivilized. But, of course... He no longer lives in the time he would have called civilized. By the end of Obi-Wan Kenobi Episode 2, the Jedi Master is considering drawing his lightsaber once again as he realizes the scale of threat facing him. Yeah. That'd would be have done any good. Yeah. <laughs> Reva would have taken him down. Yeah. The Inquisitors believe Obi-Wan to be a particularly important target. No ordinary Jedi, the last ember of a dying flame. They, they are a little arrogant, though. Yes. <laughs> this dialogue is curious, suggesting they consider Obi-Wan to be the last surviving member of the Jedi Council. Comics have already established that the Empire believed Master Yoda died of an old age. Ironically, tie-ins that revealed the Baal-Algana connection could have led him straight to Yoda if they had looked for him. Oops. Obi-Wan calls himself Ben to Leia, too. Leia Organa is less than impressed by her rescuer and initially refuses to believe he's really a Jedi, especially when Obi-Wan introduces himself as Ben. This is the name he has taken up during the dark times, one initially given to him when he was just a Padawan by Duchess Satine of Mandalore. It makes perfect sense for Obi-Wan to call himself Ben at this point in time, but also avoids a continuity problem because it explains why Leia doesn't know the name Obi-Wan Kenobi in the first Star Wars film. This may be Leia's first hint her father's more than just a center because Baal, Organa, and his fellow rebel conspirator Amon Matha tried their best to keep her in the dark about the nascent rebellion for her own safety. There's a deep rub <laughs> there. Reva continues the familiar force power on Haja, the dark side mind probe. Comics have established this an easy technique for a former Jedi to pick up because it is related to the Jedi mind trick, although, of course, it is far more invasive. It's been used before by Darth Maul, Darth Vader, and ultimately Kylo Ren in Star Wars The Force Awakens, although this time it backfired. Although that time it backfired. Reva seems unusually empathetic, even though able to sense the emotions of Obi-Wan himself in the later scene. This makes her for, as a formidable hunter. See, I was thinking she was faking that. Yeah. Like, oh, your fear betrays you. Like, yeah. Just yeah. basically <laughs> messing with him. But I didn't think that she could actually feel him because she wasn't going right to him. So that's yeah. why I was thinking she was just kind of messing with him. Like, oh, yeah, I can feel you. I was wondering if you start using the force or you exude it somehow. But I don't know if we've ever got a hint of that. You know, like a turn on a switch and it makes him more notable. Right. I, oh. I don't know. Obi-Wan Kenobi Episode 1 briefly focused on the similarities between Luke and his father, Anakin. In the Episode 2, Obi-Wan finds Leia reminiscent of Padme. He describes Padme in most general terms, avoiding giving too much away. Yep, gotta be careful. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, Leia is naturally inquisitive, so... She's an inquisitor? What? <laughs> oh, sorry. She's naturally inquisitive, so again, seems to be suspect. Uh, he's holding back. It's rather amusing to see Obi-Wan struggle to deal with a precocious child who, just like Carrie Fisher's Leia, is no damsel in distress. I think she yeah. gave him a knee. She gave him a, a knee Yeah, <laughs> somewhere, too, earlier. Like, man, this really guy's getting beat up in this show. 
<laughs> yeah, I was half expecting to be like, yes, I knew your mother. It's like, oh, no, don't say that because she'd be loud as hell. Right. <laughs> so apparently the Inquisitors know about Darth Vader's true identity. Yeah, they should because of their confidence of uh, Palpatine. Yep. I suppose. The Empire kept uh, Darth Vader's true identity as a secret during the dark times, largely because Palpatine enjoyed this sense of mystery and intrigue that surrounded his apprentice. For all that's the case, though, Reva reveals that the Inquisitors know Anakin Skywalker is really Darth Vader. She clearly knows about Mustafar, too, because she uses the information that Anakin Skywalker is alive to go to reaction for Obi-Wan. Dirty pool. Yes. <laughs> and Obi-Wan Kenobi is shaken to learn Darth Vader is still alive, presumably believing his former apprentice had died on Mustafar. I was just thinking of the scene with Darth Vader and uh, Luke in the second movie. I could sense each other's thoughts, even when they were on different ships. Yeah. You know, he's lying in the hospital ship and going away, and he's like, Father. But these guys, of course, yeah, they don't have no blood relation here. Disturbingly, the dramatic end of Obi-Wan Kenobi, Episode 2, suggests Darth Vader has sensed Obi-Wan's actions on Dayu. A nice nod from the Star Wars film where Vader could sense Obi-Wan's presence on the Death Star. Something he hadn't done in a long time. <laughs> Vader is in a Bacta tank, likely in, in his base on Mustafar, which has been constructed to amplify the power of the dark side and boost his own natural abilities. That's presumably why he can sense distant uh, events across the galaxy with such ease. I guess, right? Maybe it's like super strong like emotions that are causing very like X-Men-ish all of a sudden. Yeah. So maybe well, that's what it is because yeah. he didn't know about him. So all of a sudden he was, Obi-Wan was thinking specifically about Anakin and that's well yeah that. that and the fact that he actually did call upon the force to save Leah mm -hmm. I think that was probably the one thing that Darth sensed was his actually reaching out to the force again and so of course as soon as Obi found out that he's still alive then the connection just clicked right in yeah so he's gonna have to shut all that down again yeah Yes. <laughs> and then maybe see Qui-Gon. We don't know if that's going to happen, though. Right. Be yeah, it's going to be hard for him to pull the force back in and yet keep it hidden at the same time. I'm not sure how he's going to pull that one off. <laughs> mm -hmm. I thought he was pretty careless with the lightsaber when he boarded yes. the... Uh... <laughs> Let that thing yeah, hang I'm out like, there. Did he show it to her on purpose? Yes. <laughs> I think so. Yep. Wow. And she's just like, eh. <laughs> yeah. So don't give me trouble. <laughs> so we got some ratings. Sean, you uh, want to start? Yeah, because I did enjoy it. I am giving it a four out of five again. Four out of five. Shock Obi Wan looks like what? <laughs> <laughs> and I'll also give it four out of five. Escapes via cargo transport. Yeah, I'm going with four out of five. Also, I'm giving it a four out of five. Steve Puff Man cameos. <laughs> did you see him? No, are you talking about the weird two-legged furry thing? Or? No, no, the Stay Puft Man, he works in the uh, Spice Lab, except he's wearing a space helmet. I'm like, yes. wow, yes, <laughs> yeah. Stay Puft Man, what are you no, doing here? i got to watch it again. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> well, we'd love to hear your thoughts on each and every episode this season. Our deadline for feedback is 6 p.m. Eastern every Friday during the season. You can send your feedback via email or audio to contact us at fangirlzone.com. Please review and rate us on iTunes and any other platform you use for your podcast with good ratings and reviews. It helps other fans of the show find us as there are plenty of other Star Wars podcasts out there. Tell your friends, and I hope you are enjoying our podcast, and don't forget to check out the other great Fangirl Zone podcasts. There are so many of our podcasts, and like <laughs> I said, you can compare and contrast Star Wars and Star Trek since that is 
than the age-old uh, argument with fans. Yeah. You can do that over at www.fangirlzone.com. Check out our contacts link and all the ways to get a hold of us and all the ways you can tell us which one is better. So for this episode <laughs> of the Mudhorn Clan cast. I'm Steve. Look, since I met you, I've been chased, shot at, and I almost fell to my death. And now there are inquisiting people after us? <laughs> I'm Sean Fangirl S. And yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll buy you some time. Not that I have any power or anything. Maybe I'll do some home alone trap. <laughs> <laughs> and this is Best Guard Dave. I'm going to cancel my back to bath with Reba. She's crazy. <laughs> there is nothing wrong with your internet do not attempt to adjust your settings we are controlling the podcast we control the squealing and the screams we can make your heart flutter your eyes blur from tears or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity for the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your setting. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the fangirl zone. Fangirl zone.